0: Welcome to Breakaway, a women's soccer podcast covering industry events, emerging teams, and the latest on league developments. Welcome your co hosts, Megan and Chase. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Hey, listeners, welcome into the first episode of Breakaway. I'm Megan.
1: And I'm Chase.
0: And today we're going to be talking about the Minnesota Aurora soccer team here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, First, we're just going to do a little bit of introduction, since this is the first time you guys have listened in um, to both Chase and I. So, Chase, why don't you start us off?
1: Yeah, so I'm Chase, and I have grown up with soccer for my entire life, ever since I was about three or four years old. I've been playing the sport since, uh, oh, I messed up again. A wee little boy. (laughs) A wee little boy, (laughs) since I was a wee little lad. I've been playing the sport ever since I can remember. It's been a really integral part to my life, and it's developed into a really strong passion of mine. And these last few years, I've been really interested in seeing how women's soccer has been developing in America. And Megan and I decided that it would be a great idea to start a podcast and really dive deep and explore what's been going on. Good answer. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Megan. Good answer,
0: good answer. Woo! Um, so for me, I never played soccer, actually, any day of my life except in, <laughs> <laughs> in middle school gym class. you got to start somewhere. Yeah. So as I... I can't speak. At a young age, my parents never put me into soccer. They put me into softball, which was fine. I enjoyed it. And then, um, fast forward to 2020, I watched a documentary on HBO Max called LFG, not sponsored. And (laughs) it was all about the women's equal pay fight in the U.S. women's national team. And that kind of just like kickstarted it. Ended up watching the Olympics with them. I'm going to have been a U.S. women's national team super fan ever since. Um, and for me, it just was realizing like the stories behind these women um, beyond just the U.S. women's national team, but starting there and how um, impactful like soccer, women's soccer specifically is becoming in the United States. And so Chase and I joined our heads and our brains to figure <laughs> out <laughs> what is going on and kind of how can we bring that information um, to, to the world. So that's what we're gonna do.
1: Dang, that was a much better answer than my answer.
0: <laughs> well, I had to start somewhere I've never played soccer. That's <laughs> to be clear for the listeners, I do know a lot of information about she soccer. She does.
1: It's insane how much information she knows.
0: My brain is like a sponge, so it remembers everything. Her TikTok
1: so. is just soccer, 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 soccer. soccer.
0: Instagram explore page, soccer. <laughs> TikTok, soccer. Browser history, soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Okay. so starting off, um, Minnesota Aurora, they're the Minneapolis mm-hmm. women's new women's soccer league in the past, what was it, two years? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of hit the ground running uh, with how they performed and how they did. So Chase, if you can just give us like a brief overcap for our listeners who might not know who this team is, kind of when did they start, um, what kind of, is their business model of the team...
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the Minnesota Aurora, um, they just had their first season last year.
0: Um,
1: so brand new women's soccer team for Minnesota. And what makes this team really unique is that they're um, a community owned team. So rather than having um, a few big dollar investors that really um, kick things going, they opened up their um, their company to the entire community and really tried to bring this team together through the community. So. Um, their logo was created by the community. The team name was created by the community. Um, I believe they have over 3,000 people who are actual investors in this team and help make decisions um, about how they want the team to be shaped. Um, and this team played really, really well for their first season. They were they had a 13 winning streak. I believe they ended the season 13 wins, zero losses, and one tie. Um, but unfortunately, they did lose the final game against Georgia in overtime. Still salty about that, but that's fine.
0: And what league are they in again?
1: They're in the um, USL Women's League, which is one league below the NWSL League. So they have a mission to eventually be uplisted to the top league. They wanted to start off in this league and prove themselves as a team before they just jump right in into the, the big league. So,
0: If I remember correctly, too, like aren't a ton of their players from the University of Minnesota
1: they have a few players from the University of Minnesota. They actually have some players who are in high school too. Wow. Um, so they have a they, yeah no they have a they have a really in, uh really, um cool range of um players. So very young team, very young team.
0: It's it's quite common to see women skip from high school into the NWSL or probably other leagues as well. Um, just with talent, they they're not moving to college because they can go directly into the. And WSL, like Trinity Rodman is one specifically that did that.
1: Oh, fun really? fact. I did not know that. Yes,
0: yes. So Trinity Rodman is like one of the best um, forwards. And then WSL and she never went to college. Dang. Clearly I we went the wrong route. I
1: know. <laughs> just kidding. Now we're just in corporate America.
0: Just kidding. Um, okay, so kind of let's expand more upon the mission like the the goal of this team right was Mm -hmm. to like to be community owned and so they a big thing for them is you know it's not owned by one person Mm -hmm. and with those multiple investors like I guess a question for both of us is like how do we think that moves into like the community feel of the team because I think that's a huge aspect right like this isn't some big conglomerate coming into Minneapolis. Like this is the community that is representing this soccer team
1: mm-hmm.
0: to the entire, the entire uh, league at this point, um, and hopefully we'll be moving to the NWSL. Um, I guess I kind of answered my question at the same time, <laughs> but kind of like, how do you think, or how have you seen? Like you've been to one of their games, right? I have like how have you seen it when you experienced it like was it different than a united game like how did you see that shift
1: i think for me the thing that was most striking was just how fast it was able to feel like like the the energy that was behind the crowd given this was their very first season um was crazy it it felt like this team has already been established for years um and i really do think that that roots back to the fact that this team is so community oriented Mm -hmm. um they've been really able to include the community in their development um way before their team actually had their first game um i believe their first few games were completely sold out um they sold out of their inventory their merchandise inventory like within 30 minutes of the game starting they had to go back to their warehouse and restock up on inventory they sold out of all of that too um People in the stands already knew all the chants. So it felt like a very, very established team already. And this was... um, The first game that I went to was pretty early on in their season. So I was really surprised. It was really impressive.
0: Yeah, their attendance rivaled similar to NWSL teams. Like, that's incredible. And to think, like, Minnesota had no women's team prior to this... Um, and I think if anything, it shows that there's a high demand within yeah. our specific market that we live in. Mm-hmm. That like they want a women's team here and that they're like I, I don't know, I just think about like the people we talk to that are not in our soccer circles of like they just don't see it as like there being demand for that or that being that interesting to like tune into. But clearly as a Minnesota Aurora has shown, um like big risk big reward in the sense of like they took a risk in making it community owned mm-hmm. in a sense but it it proved to be like a huge reward and and it will be really exciting to see kind of where it goes from here
1: yeah absolutely and i think it was such a, a smart approach because um there is such a demand for women's soccer right now there, there, there's demand for women's sports across america it's been growing pretty fast but there is a love for women's soccer Mm -hmm. specifically so being able to tie the community into their development i think was a really smart move and something that's going to really help accelerate them forward with that said it is interesting to see um how this ties into their plans for being uplisted to the next league um because they recently released a newsletter saying how um given how much demand there is for this game their timeline for being Bumped up to the next league has been accelerated by a few years. They originally planned on being in the USL Women's League for about three to five years to really develop themselves and develop a really strong following. But now they're seeing that being pulled closer by like one or two years. So they're already having conversations with big investors, um, really trying to to fund their team so they can be uplisted to this top league. And so something that um, is at the top of my mind is how are they going to maintain this community aspect you know having the community being such a good um, having a really strong stake in the team's success how are you going to balance that with trying to bring in really big investors to bring the team where it it ultimately needs to because you do need to have a lot of money to be uplisted to this team so it's going to be interesting how they juggle that
0: i think you have to have an individual literally who owns 35 percent of the team In order to be in the NWSL. Oh, really? Yeah. And they have to meet high standards of wealth. (laughs) That's what I. Uh, Did you know that?
1: Swimming in cash.
0: I just think, okay, this is a little off topic, but I will gear it back quickly. Okay. So 35% of the wealth of the team, or has to own 35% of the team. Mm -hmm. I think about the Casey Current in the NWSL. So Kansas City Current. Um, Patrick Mahone's wife owns. Part has stake into that team. Really? Yeah, fun fact.
1: Dang, all these yeah. fun facts. Yeah, we'll get into I, I like Casey Curran on all. another episode, mostly. But um, stay tuned.
0: Yeah, I think, though, I, I just had this thought pop into my mind. The community feel of the Minnesota Aurora, I think, is needed within the NWSL when they have been through a lot in the past year in terms of scandals and, um, You know some things being revealed in terms of the structure and the coaching and the system that they have that's not supporting the women Mm -hmm. um, where the Minnesota Aurora has built up from a place of you know like this is a community place where women will be taken care of and we're going to be very strategic from the bottom up on how this team is going to be produced and made so I feel like when they bring that to the NWSL like that's going to be huge yes
1: Megan that's a good point because
0: you think about like you know LAFC like coming in with these big celebrities that are sponsoring um it's not the LAFC. That's the men's one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oof Megan. Oh my gosh, Ooh, what this is, is it? a woman's soccer podcast, Megan. Angel, Angel F C there we go. There we go. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I
0: don't even watch the MLS. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, you think about them having these, like, big celebrities come in and stake their claim. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what they're known for. And you see, like, San Diego Wave. They're known for having Jill Ellis as, like, their owner, who was the U.S. Women's National Team coach before Mm -hmm. um, won 2019 World Cup with them, 2015 World Cup. So they're known for that. And then you're going to have this, like... Midwest like (laughs) little like everyone views Minneapolis as such like this like far out place and that's like undesirable and all of this stuff to have this like no the community backs this team even if you have that and they're going to have to be very strategic about that oh yeah to be to keep that momentum with them because that's what's going to set them apart in the NWSL and that's what's going to want players are going to want to be at a team that they know they will be supported and that they know like you see team like big players move to these new teams and it's because they're promising a lot Mm -hmm. and the minnesota aurora has something to back up those claims in terms of hey we were very successful and very intricate in how we built this team
1: yeah no those are all great points and i feel like that really does chime into what they need from an investor they need A high net worth individual who understands all of those things and shares in that mission. Right. Um, so it's gonna be really, really interesting to see if the Minnesota Aurora can pull this off because they are the very first team that has taken this type of an approach to growing a team. Every other team has just initially found a big investor, hopped right in, formed a team from the start, and just dove deep into um that top league
0: well and i think if we look at it from like a business perspective of you know they built this team they were successful in the play but they also were successful in creating a culture as you were saying, like when you were at the game mm-hmm. and what people know about the Minnesota Aurora as being community owned, they create a culture that can sustain them in the future. If you think about a business that is just starting off with a bang and not really thinking about the intricacies of the team management and and culture of the team, it makes it less desirable for people to come. So the Minnesota Aurora is going to have to fight to bring in big names into their their team once they move to nwsl in order to be Mm -hmm. successful and so how are they going to do that like they have the culture they have the backbone that they've built
1: yeah no absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. well some good good conversations megan (laughs) (laughs) i know so many questions
0: oh yeah yeah um how do you see them initially making the jump i guess finding a specific i know you kind of touched on it like it's going to matter who that big investor is Mm -hmm. and that they align with the values. Like what do you see, I guess in the response to what they have recently posted about waiting and it being too soon, (laughs) like, I guess, do you see that aligning with trying to find the right investor?
1: you know it's tough i mean like they it's still so early on in the process and there are so many details that they haven't released yet and they've made that pretty clear that they're still working at the logistics themselves and trying to figure out right. what exactly do we need to get from point a to point b um i think that's a, a developing question and i'm not too sure
0: I guess I see it as, okay, they're slowing down the process. They're trying not to rush it because they are trying to find, like, the Mm -hmm. right person. And I think it ties into,
1: like, with the fact that this is the first team that's taking this approach. They're definitely in new territory. So there's not, like, a previous team that they can reference to and say, okay, this is how they did it. Right. Um, It's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah. I wonder you know, it goes into the question, like how much growth can the NWSL sustain mm-hmm. and how can they keep adding teams, yeah. um, with, you know, the past of that. And I'm sure we can touch upon that in another episode that goes a little deeper, but if they're adding two teams in 2024 and they missed that mark in 2025, will they be still adding teams or are they going to have to have like a middle ground of sustaining that? Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. How do you think they will, like, I think the biggest question to, like, ponder upon in terms of the Minnesota Aurora is how will they sustain that community feel when they move to the NWSL or, you know, make a jump to a bigger league? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really think I have the answer for that. I think it's going to really be that, I mean, public relations and the actual experience at the game um, to make sure that it still feels like a exclusive in a way in a way exclusive not like no one can join but in a this is something special and you want to be a part of it type of way mm-hmm. and not you know let's see how many people we can squeeze in here type of thing yeah I guess is like my first thought would be like yeah that experience and then definitely like public relations and like you kind of touched upon like that first investor, that first major investor is really going to have to be someone that aligns with the beliefs of the Minnesota Aurora. Mm
1: -hmm. And what I'm also pretty interested in too, is because you mentioned a few days ago, how one of the requirements for being in the NWSL is playing, um, at like an actual soccer stadium. So obviously if that were to happen at the Aurora, it would have to be at Allianz field. So I feel like setting up that partnership with the, with um, MNUOC is going to be interesting. Um, and just seeing how all of that plays out with their development, too. Because MNUFC, Minnesota Aurora, their two approaches have been um, slightly different. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they cross-collaborate with I, that.
0: I don't know too much about the Minnesota UFC. Is that what it's called? MNUFC. MN, well, okay. UFC. <laughs> Clearly, you know more. <laughs> um, I've been to
1: a few games. <laughs>
0: I don't know how their approach has been and how successful they have been in relation to other um, teams in the – what's it called? MSL. What's the men's soccer league? What's it called?
1: MLS. 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 Wow, brain fart there. Oh, my God. We're doing this in the morning, so that was our first mistake.
0: I don't know how successful they have been, and that would be an interesting approach of like – well, this is how the Minnesota men's team did and this is how the women have started. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I know, I don't think they're too well-known in MLS. Like, I don't think they're, you know, one of the top teams by any means. Unfortunately, no. Not yeah, yet.
1: Not yet. <laughs> they are kind of getting there. <laughs> They'll get there. They'll get there.
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't <laughs> 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 But I guess it would be interesting to see. I mean, that field is beautiful and I hope one day that... Um, I think it seats around 10 or 12,000, like...
1: Oh, no, it's more than that. I think it's, really? um, close to 19,000. No way. Yeah. I'm dead serious.
0: Let's see here.
1: 19,400. Oh, never mind. Minnesota Aurora <laughs> is far from 19,000 fans.
0: But who knows, like, if they're selling out the games, yeah, because
1: that means that there's like, demand. Yeah, because, um, the stadium that they're having their games and has a quarter of the capacity and they've had no problem with selling out those games so I feel like if they're able to form a really good partnership with MNUFC and do some cross wow cross collaboration marketing um especially for like one of their first opening games at Allianz Field if that does happen which I feel like it's going to <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be a big hit
0: write that down we just predicted there's going <laughs> to be an Aurora game. At, that's right. At Allianz. Field. You
1: heard it here first, Saint folks. St. Paul,
0: Minnesota. That's
1: right. That's right. <laughs>
0: um, I also think, like, with our business background, like, what they will also have to be very strategic in what companies they partner with in the Twin mm-hmm. Cities and, like, who, that they, who they want um, to support them. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm biased towards a certain company. So we'll see if that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying what.
1: Hmm. <coughs>
0: hmm. What large retailer in the Twin Cities. <laughs> it's
1: not like we can just go on your LinkedIn and find out right away. Yeah. What? But, um,
0: but I, I think that's also an aspect of it because they're going to need that. And I don't yeah. know. Do they have any corporate sponsors? They I have two.
1: So they have um, Minnesota Explore and then Twin Cities Orthopedics.
0: Twin Cities or Orthopedics, though, that's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll have to see, like, kind of where that – how that develops as well. And what – I'm trying to think of, like, a <clears throat> a big corporation here in the Twin Cities that aligns with those views just because there's so many big ones. Maybe they have to do that, like, mid-size corporation approach. Like, mm-hmm. 3M is gigantic or General Mills or Target, whatever one you want to say. Like, they're big, so how are they going to – you know, incorporate that community feel. You would have to look into those those corporations, too, on, like, what they do in their communities. Yeah. Because I think Target has done a lot in terms of Because that's of that. kind of where
1: my fir- my mind first went was Target. Um, because another one of the things that Minnesota Aurora is really honing in on um, is that they are really dedicating to using soccer to bring together communities um, that both lift up women and girls from marginalized communities. Um, so finding a company that really focuses on raising up different communities like Target has um, communicated pretty well in their mission, vision, values, um, I think would be interesting.
0: Yeah. And you can also get that, like, fitness side of things from Target, too. Mm-hmm. So diversified in what, what they offer. Yeah. Potentially, that would be a huge sponsor. That would be... That
1: would be crazy. That would
0: be crazy. We're they not- do do the Minnesota... The loons, though. Yeah, right? they do. So mm-hmm. it's possible... They're a big sports person around here, Target Field, Target Center.
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to make that call yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll not. We'll see. We'll you have see. not heard that here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we have plenty of Fortune 500s right here in the Twin Cities. so That's true. Um, there's a lot of options for them. So much potential. So they'll have to go through that too as well. Twin Cities Orthopedics, I don't think is going to carry them to the NWSL, but they might. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> Oh, wow. That was just, like, a little bit about Minnesota Aurora, but they're just getting started, so we'll be able to carry on, obviously, the conversation around that team and kind of the developments we see with them. Um, obviously, close to our hearts as we – I probably live less than 10, 15 minutes from um, where they play. Yeah. So it's, this is just the beginning. So I just it. want to say thank you, too, for listening in to our first podcast sitting with us in the awkward moments (laughs) it's only going up from here that's right that's right um so yeah thank you thanks everyone